Hey, this is Scotty Vermeen from Daniel Boone Baptist Church in Gate City, Virginia. I'm the interim pastor and would like to invite you to worship with us at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. We also have Bible study at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Check us out on Facebook at Daniel Boone Baptist Church where you will find weekly sermons and daily interaction to keep you in touch with the Lord and to keep you in touch with His kingdom. Good morning again. You guys hear me good? All right. Uh, each week I ask God to uh, give me something that, um, that you can take home with you. Uh, I think it's important that we obviously learn of, learn of the Word and learn the Word and learn of God and the, and the Holy Spirit visit us and make us feel good while we're here. But I also believe it's important that at, when we get home that we get something for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and that it also, not just for the week, but that it builds on the previous week, and that it builds on a previous experience, and that it builds on a previous season in our life. And so my desire is to give you some things to take home. If you look in your bulletin today, you're going to see a lot of Scripture. and I'm going to read a bunch of it to you, so you don't have to, you don't have to go real fast through there. If you just want to listen, you can go back this week and, and, and sort of... Uh, digest it and go back this week and and uh, investigate the scriptures a little bit okay and so that's for you to take home but um, the last few weeks we've been talking about decisions choices bondage Egypt the wilderness sometimes we get in the wilderness that's a place of waiting sometimes because of unbelief Sometimes because of no specific reason at all, it's just divine appointment. Sometimes it's the, whatever we're, our promised land is is not ready yet. God's cooking it in the kitchen. I told, I, we talked about that a couple weeks, but we've discussed the wilderness and getting stuck, not believing God for the promise. Last week we declared, if you remember, we're coming out. Y'all remember that? If you haven't seen that one, go back on Facebook and look it up. But last week we declared... Today's the last day that I'm dealing with you, whatever your wilderness and Egypt and bondage and whatever that is for you. And we, we define some of that and we, dis, we discovered that God wants for us to come out. We declared today's the last day we're dealing with that. But if you remember to end the lesson last week, I said that coming out's not complete until you what? Go in. It's one thing to be delivered for, from something, but if you don't fill that hole that you were delivered from with something else, then you're not complete. And so coming out is not complete until we go in. And that brings us to our passage today. If you would, go to Joshua chapter 1. The children of Israel are getting ready to go in. And we're going to investigate that in the Scriptures today. Joshua chapter 1. And if you would, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2 and verses 6 through 9 to get started. If you would, stand with me for the reading of God's Word if you're able. Joshua 1, beginning in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. In verse 6, it says, Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance to the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left 
that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. In verse 9, my life verse, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And so today, as you deliver folks from bondage, as you deliver folks from the wilderness, and you open up avenues for us to go into the promise, Lord, I pray that you'd use this word. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. The Israelites were about to venture into a place that they had heard about for hundreds of years. They'd heard, they'd, they'd heard from their forefathers about this place, the promised land. There was great anticipation, and I would say at some level, great anxiety. You know, anytime we're in transition from one place to another, from one season to another, sometimes it causes some inner anxiety. It was a place they had never been. Joshua 3, 4 says this, for ye have not passed this way before. And some of you, some of us, are in places we've never been. You know, if you're raising teenagers, I, you know, I've never done this before. You know, uh, that's the thought that came to Leanne in my mind a lot. You know, I don't know the answer to this one. You know, they have their car keys. Well, are we actually going to let them drive? You know, do we let them out of the house? And I always said when she's 25, she can date. Well, you know, God had different plans, but... You know, those certain things that we've never really been there before, and the children of Israel in the same place, never really been there before. We all step into new conditions in life, don't we? We all step into new situations. Loss, divorce, death, sickness, you name it. We all step into stuff that we've never done before. You know, and that can be an, uh, an, anx an anxious spot for you. You know, I, I just said raising these kids, caring for aging parents. If you've ever done that, that was brand new. The, the, the people that cared for you, you're now caring for them. That can be a difficult thing. But we're all moving forward, aren't we? You know, time don't stop for us. We're all moving forward. And when we enter wherever it is that God's calling us to, because I believe he's calling each of us out so we can go in, Okay. He's calling us out so we can go in. And when we enter that place, God wants to equip us with some things. Because it's one thing to sit idly by and believe God for deliverance. But it's a completely other thing to experience it. Because we play a part in our own deliverance. Would you believe that? The children of Israel had to get up and walk. They had to move. And even when God rained down manna from above, you remember that passage? When he ran, they had to bend over and pick it up. You see, they have a part to play in this. And so we all have a part. And the title of the message today is Armed and Dangerous. Wherever we're going, we're going armed and dangerous. And I want to give you some things that God gave me to give you. This was the last day that we started reading in the wilderness. It's over. You faced it 40 years and now I'm moving on. Whatever it is that you're facing, there's going to come a point where it's over. And you have a part to play in that. Moses is dead. Now, let me ask you a question. It's an easy answer. Was Moses a good thing or a bad thing? It was a good thing, wasn't he? Moses was a good leader. Moses was a good man. Moses, matter of fact, God met with face to face. Isn't that crazy? 
You know, with us, he gives us the word, but Moses got to meet face to face with the Lord. Moses was a good thing, but Moses, a good thing, is now dead. See, some of us, when good things leave our lives, we mourn and we should mourn. The children mourned here. Joshua mourned. But sometimes we stay there and we get stuck. And the enemy wants us to get stuck there. Remember last week we said the enemy's lied to you and told you that this is the way it's always going to be. It's never going to be any better. That's a lie. It is going to be better. Okay? It is going to be better. You are going to get out. Moses is dead. And the, the word says this right here. This is what it says. It says, now, therefore, Moses is gone, arise and go. We play a part in all the scripture that I've been reading the last little bit. The part we play in receiving the promise is taking it. You know, we're going to talk about peace in a minute. We, are, we have to be active in receiving our peace. Does that make sense to you? We're going, to, we're going to talk about that. But we must arise and go. Now, when we go, there are some things that we must equip ourselves with. And in your bulletin, I've got those things listed. These things will help us become or be victorious. Not become because we already are. But it will help us get into promise. Three things. Number one, strength. Strength. When I used to coach... I wanted to be strong. And I don't mean strong as just physical. I want emotional, mental, physical strength. Okay? Courage. Number two, courage. We all know what courage is. Courage is facing the thing that gives you fear. It's not eliminating the fear. It's just going anyway. You know, when I was young, and I do not, I'm not advising this, nor am I saying, don't do this, young people. Okay, don't do this. It wasn't that fun. But my brother took me over, my brother Larry. Not Deetzee that was here last week, but my brother Larry. He's the adventurer. Deetzee's the chef, okay? But Larry took me over to one, I guess it was uh, Warrior's Path. And, he, and we, there's a few of us. And he took, took us up to, uh, to this cliff over the water that you jump off of. And I would say it was 100 feet. I don't know. But that's a long ways, you know. And uh, I was determined I was going to do that. I'm going to jump off this cliff. Anyway, he did it as soon as he got up there. That's my brother. He jumped three times before I ever had the courage to finally go. He said, this is the last time I'm going. If you don't go with me, then we're done. So I just, the fear never left me, but I got the courage to jump. Now, it wasn't that fun. Matter of fact, it hurt when I hit, so don't do it. Y'all got me? Don't do it. It's not a good idea. But courage, we've all been in situations, right, where we face something that caused pain or was, was hard to, to, to cross the line, and it took courage. One strength, two courage. Number three, this is huge. This is huge, humongous. We've talked about this for a month now. The Word of God. The Word of God is an offensive weapon. Now, the church has the Word of God to use to defeat the enemy. But too often we let the enemy win because we don't use the Word of God. And we're going to talk about that today. It's repeated three times in Joshua chapter 1, verses 6, 7, and 9. And it's also repeated in Joshua 1, 18. When, when the, the tribes that were going to stay on this side of the Jordan, the deal was they have to go over and help the children of Israel, the other tribes, um, defeat the enemy, and then they could come back. And so they were talking to Joshua, and here's what they said. They said this in verse 18, Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words, in all that you command him, talking to Joshua, he shall be put to death. Listen to what they said to Joshua. Only be what? Strong and courageous. 
Well, let me ask you a question. Whom did Joshua hear three times from be strong and courageous? God, right? In Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, or 1 through 9. Who right here tells Joshua to be strong and courageous? The, the two and a half tribes that were standing on this side. Pay close attention when you hear things repeated from Scripture and then someone that you may have a conversation with confirms it. Pay attention to that. Dave, does that not happen, happen to you and me a lot? We'll hear Scripture over and over and something will pop up on my YouTube feed or, you know, Leanne will bring me a verse, check this verse out. And how many times have I said, wow, I just read that yesterday. And that's God speaking. And when someone confirms it, pay attention. So Joshua paid attention. Obviously, we know the rest of the story, but some of you have been listening to God or listening for God lately. I know you have. You've told me. You've wanted to hear a word from God. Pay attention when truth repeats himself. Notice I said himself. God never contradicts himself. And when you hear it repeated, he's trying to tell you something. You also need to hear and listen for the still small voice. My question to you is this. Is it the loudest voices that we hear all the time, the ones that we need to listen to? No, it's not. Not normally. Not unless it's dad talking to son. And sometimes God does that to us. Sometimes he gives us, bam, listen. You know, we hit a brick wall. God's got my attention. Talk to me. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you're walking throughout your day, what voices do you hear? A lot of times I hear the loud ones, but I'm listening for the still small voice. Let me give you an example, okay? This past week, I was having to deal with people, okay, adults. And uh, I wanted to, and, and all of my resources around the loud voices were giving me advice on how to deal with it. But at one moment in my office, I heard the Lord in a still small voice give me two words, love and encouragement. Those two words, that's all I need to hear. And it changed my mind. And it actually took my spirit from being a little bit aroused to relaxing me. Have y'all ever been there? And I knew when he relaxed my spirit that it was his spirit and that love and encouragement meant I don't need to do judging, judgment. I don't need to do what I thought I was going to have to do. Okay? Does that make sense to you? That's the still small voice. Listen for it. Listen for it. The devil is a liar, and I want to make sure that you know that. He's a liar. It's not the loudest voices that we need to listen to always. Remember that God is truth, and the devil is a liar. This is important. Now, here's how the enemy talks to you. Dave and I have been talking about this. How come sometimes the enemy sounds like God? How come he sounds like me sometimes? It's because he's an imitator of God. He's the great accuser of the brethren. He's a deceiver. And deception don't come right in your face. He didn't look at Eve and say, hey, I'm the devil, and I'm getting ready to take away your choice, and I'm getting ready to punish all mankind through you. He didn't say that to her. He said, look at that apple. Mm-mm-mm, that apple's good. Why would God not want you to eat that apple? And he lied to her. He deceived her. And that's why sometimes he sounds a little bit like God. Go to Luke chapter, thir- chapter 6, verse 31. You don't have to go there. You can just listen if you want. Luke chapter 6, verse 31. I want you to think about this verse, and I'm going to explain it to you how he uses it in, in the wrong way. Luke 6, 31 says, And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. That's the New King James Version. I've heard it also said and, and translated, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. 
Treat others how you want to be treated, is what that says. Now, here's what the enemy says. Do unto others as they have done to you. See, it's, it's sown with bits of truth, and it almost sounds like God, but guess what? It's a deception. It's the enemy. Don't believe him. Don't do unto others as they've done to you. Could you imagine a world where we do unto other people as they've done to us? Huh? Oh, we're living in it, aren't we? We sure are. You see what I'm talking about? The church of Christ cannot be deceived. God says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You will always find that the enemy will sow God's truth with a lie. He did it to Jesus on the mountain. He tempted Jesus and three times. There's a significance about three times. It's all throughout Scripture, but three times Jesus had to resist the devil. Some of us give up after one time resisting him, don't we? I'm just saying in my own personal life, sometimes I give up after the first challenge. Let me tell you what else the devil does. This is important. He appeals to our carnality. He appeals to our feelings. And if we allow our feelings to be in the driver's seat, we're messing up. Our feelings have a place in our life. Matter of fact, our feelings drive us, you know, to be passionate about the right things, our calling, about our family. You know, I heard y'all saying in Sunday school, one of you said your daddy, if somebody come around the house, he'd, he'd lay it to him. I'm going to tell you what, you come around my house, you're going to get laid out too. Our feelings have a place in, in our lives. They just can't be in the driver's seat. Truth has to be in the driver's seat. Y'all understand that? Proverbs 14, 12 says it like this. There's a way that seems right to a man. It seems right to do unto others as they've done to us, don't it? Feels right, don't it? Revenge. There's a way that seems right to a man, but Proverbs 14, 12 clearly says, but the end of that way is death. It's death. Death to relationship, death to a job, death to a friendship, death. Proverbs 14, 12, a good passage. Let me interject something here because this is important and I want you to get this. There's two things I really, really, really want you to get today and this is one of them. It's impossible to arise and go and conquer if you're living in a state and not a, a state that is not experiencing peace. If you have no peace, it's impossible to do anything and do it well. You know what I mean? If you have no peace. So I want to talk to you about that for just a second. I want to address one area that robs you of your peace and me. And here it is. Anger, hatred, and revenge. They all go together. I would even add to that unforgiveness. Okay, unforgiveness. And it don't matter who it is, what it is, where it is, unforgiveness. It's like drinking poison and hoping they'll die. I want to talk to you about peace. When we hate somebody and continue to hate them, then whatever it is that causes us to hate them will continue to rise up in us and hurt us. Y'all hear that? Our anger, our hatred just keeps on reopening the emotional wounds of the past. Anger and, anger and hatred and unforgiveness is a key, and it's a key to pain. It opens up wounds that need to be healing, okay? You hold the key to that. Every time that thought comes to your mind to hate, what are we to do? We talked about last week. Take every thought captive. Bring it in submission. Take it to God. Is this right? He'll say no, and it'll be clear. Get rid of it. And you have to actively do that. You have to actively pursue peace. Actively pursue peace. Romans 8, 6 says it, says it like this. 
For to be carnally minded is death. For to be fleshly minded is death. For to act out on our feelings all the time is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. When the Lord spoke that still small voice, through the small voice to me and said, love and encouragement, I backed up. That's just a personal testimony to you. And it says that in Romans 8, 6, that in that, the spiritually minded person, there's life and there's peace. It's very difficult to move forward if you don't have any peace. And so I'd encourage you today to seek peace, pursue peace. And you have a role to play. Okay, so now, here we go. Arise and go. Arise and go. We're getting ready to inherit the promise. The most important step in any, any process, the most important step in any process is the first step. It's the first. Some of y'all have already started this week a step in the process. It's like I've talked about for a long time getting back to running and exercising and and whatnot, and I have yet to do it. You know, it's the first step. If I can get the first step, then I can take the second step. But there are no second steps without first steps. Y'all understand that? The most important step is the first step. Make a decision, show up early, and take the step to blank, whatever it is. It may be that you just need to read more word. It may be that you need to spend more time in prayer. It may be that you need to forgive somebody. It may be that you need physical change. It may be that you need mental change. Whatever it is, take the first step. Arm yourself with truth. We're going to go in reverse order. It's like three, two, one, go. Y'all got that? So we're going number three, the Word of God. This is important. We're going to look later about the priest, what they were carrying. They were carrying the the Ark of the Covenant, that's the presence of God. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. It's important to understand that wherever you go, and it, churches actually should be full today, and they're not. People are looking for this stuff right here in other places, and right here is the truth. If you don't go into your endeavor carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of the Lord, then you will not succeed. Now, you might think, and we addressed this last week, that certain people, unbelievers who are preaching against the Word of God and are making tons and tons of money, that they're being successful. Don't, don't, don't equivalate, if that's the right word, success with wealth, okay? Wealth can be a curse, you understand? And so don't, don't, don't take those two things and say, well, why are some people successful that don't believe in God? I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. You don't know what they go to bed with. You don't know what demons they're fighting in their mind. Yes, they may be successful on the outside, but if you look, many super, superstars and many uh, movie stars are, are addicted to, to things that really hurt them later on because they can't deal with their inner turmoil. Does that make sense? So don't, don't take those two things and, and think when I say success, you need to go in the Word of God that some people do. They do. They experience momentary success in certain, in certain places in life. However, for us, we must take the Word of God, the Ark of the Covenant, wherever we're going, okay? The devil will use something to get us off track. Because here's the deal. As we're walking into our promised land, that place God's telling us to go in, the devil wants to slow us down. He wants to detour us. He wants to stop us. And he uses something that is in the Bible over and over and over again. And God is teaching us something today. He uses temptation, okay? He uses temptation. The devil can't make you do anything. He can tempt you to decide to do certain things. Does that make sense? But we choose it. The devil will use temptation to attack us. So let's prepare ourselves. 
Let's arm ourselves. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. You don't have to go there, just listen. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion sinking, seeking whom he may devour. He's a deceiver, and he reaches up and tries to bite me when I'm not expecting him. You understand what I mean? Also in James 4, 7, listen to this. James 4, 7 says, therefore, submit to God, whatever it is that I'm dealing with, wherever it is I'm going, my plans, my purpose, all of that, resist the devil. You have to resist him. He's going to tempt you, but you have to resist him. You have to do like Jesus did on the mountain and say, the word of God says this. And then the devil will move on to something else. Now, here's the deal. He won't always leave you the first time. It took Jesus three times. Sometimes you have to resist him, resist him, resist him, resist him, and then he flees. It says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So, number three. Step one, take the word of God with you. I want to give you some stuff today and I'm going to go through this real fast. I'm going to give you some scripture that you can use to fight temptation. I'm going to give you five areas. When you're tempted to judge, and I started with that one because that was me this week. It says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2 says, Judge not that you not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Maybe you're tempted to get angry. I think that's all of us from time to time. Psalms 37, 8 says this, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Have any of y'all ever been angry and sinned and it not caused harm? I haven't. I've always caused harm when I was angry. Always. I can't think of one time when I was angry and sinned that it didn't cause harm. Proverbs 14, 29 says, He who is slow to anger has great understanding. But he who is impulsive and gets angry quickly exalts folly. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27, it says, Be angry and do not sin. Jesus did that in the temple when they were doing things in church that they shouldn't be doing. He goes in and turns the tables over. He was angry and did not sin. And it says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. That's tough, isn't it? That's difficult sometimes. Nor, it says in verse 27, give place to the devil. Maybe you are tempted to speak harshly. Have you ever, have you ever been in a conversation and you get, whether it's anger or anything, and you want to mm, just come right back speaking harshly? Listen to what it says about our words. Titus chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says this, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, us, the believers, to obey and to be ready for every good work. Verse 2, to speak evil of no one. Now, I can't say that that is always me. In, in this political age we're in and in this tense society that we're in, I agree with certain things and disagree with certain things, and certain things are moral and certain are immoral, but it tells me here to speak evil of nobody to be peaceable. The Bible even says in other places, as, as much as it's up to me, I should try to make peace even with my enemies. It says be peaceable, be gentle, showing all humility to all men. Proverbs 21, 23 says, whoever guards his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from troubles. <laughs> Watch your mouth. 
You know, I've heard it. What, what is it I've heard before? It's something like, uh, I'd rather be considered a fool than to open my mouth and remove all doubt. You know what I mean? Proverbs 18, 21. This is huge. I'm going to pick this one apart just a little. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it, not love death and life, but those who love to talk. Those who love it to talk, to use the tongue, will eat its fruit. You'll eat the fruit of your words, both good and bad. Okay? There's power in our tongue. What about you've been tempted to quit? Tempted to quit. Listen to this one. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. says, therefore, do not lose heart. Don't quit. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. That's why today's important. You're here getting the word of God. You're renewing your inner man. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Galatians 6, 9, very familiar passage. Let us not grow weary while doing good. Have you ever done good and done good and done good and been good to somebody and been good to somebody? I hear it every day in my office. Not every day, but once a week I'll hear somebody come in and say, I've tried, I'm talking about students. I've tried to be good to someone, so I've tried to be nice, but I'm done because they're never nice back. That's not what it says. It says, don't grow re- weary in doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. God will reward you for doing good in due season. Don't give up. Don't quit. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Every weight. Now let me tell you what that is. Sometimes we take on too much stuff. And it's good stuff. You know what I mean? It's good stuff. I was in, uh, I was in right out of college. I, I, we were just married, and, and I was, we were doing good stuff in our church, and we were trying to do the right things, and I was starting to coach, and I was doing all, Sunday school and youth uh, group at our church, and I was doing a lot of things, and I had a mentor of mine, like Mr. R. Wood, a mentor of mine, stop me one day and say, no is a powerful word. I said, what do you mean? He says, you need to say no to some things. You're doing too much. You need to prioritize your life. And, and that was a big word for me, okay? It was a big word for me. It says to lay aside every weight. Those things are too much. And it says the sin, which so easily ensnares us. Sin ensnares us, does it not? I'm tempted to sin all the time. And I do sin. But I've got a high priest, and I've got Jesus to be the person that I, I just look to him, and you do too. I'm already forgiven. But it says, lay aside the weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Isn't that a, isn't that a wonderful passage? Deuteronomy 31.8. Let's dance on this one. It says, and the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. Everything that I'm going to experience tomorrow, guess who went before me? And I can wake up with that confidence. That he's the one that goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. I've heard it said that do not fear is in the Bible 365 times. I've not counted, but if that's true, isn't that ironic? Yeah. What about leap year? I guess we're good. What about, have you ever been tempted to throw stones at somebody? Pick out their sin? I do, I do it every week, and I don't mean to. And I, got, I'm, I work on that, and I know you do too. Just throwing stones. 
throwing stones, or maybe even taking revenge. You know what I mean? Romans chapter 12, listen to this. Verses 16 through 19 says, Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. Don't take revenge, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Don't throw stones and take revenge. When you're tempted to do those things right there, God's word, and there's more. That was just one piece of it. God's word is full of scripture that you can use for yourself and you can use as a sword to cut that devil right in two, okay? So temptation's how the enemy uses, is what the enemy uses to get us off track. Jesus tempted the devil three times, Matthew chapter 4, and we too are going to be tempted in the same way. Number two, courage. Courage. Courage is basically putting the will of God and the will of man to action. That's what that's about. Courage is not about eliminating fear. It's impossible to eliminate all fear. It's just impossible. Uh, you know, we, we could try that. We can be brave. But courage is not eliminating fear, rather. It's taking action in spite of fear. Listen to this. Don't let your fear paralyze you. Don't let your fear paralyze you. Psalm 27, 14. Psalm 27, 14. says to wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. 31, Psalm 31, 24 says, Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. All you who hope in the Lord. Courage comes when you stop looking at, listen to this, courage comes when you stop looking at the problem and you start looking to the answer. And his name is Jesus. Isn't that true? Huh? Have you ever experienced the answer? He is the answer. And matter of fact, it's already settled in heaven. He knows and will take, take care of you. So I would say this about courage. Take chances. Pursue your dreams. No one who ever achieved anything great did so without some failure. You know, that's what bodybuilding's all about. That's what team building's all about. It's, it's destroying the body to, to a point and then recovery. Destroying recovery. Destroying recovery. Strength and courage. Courage is what keeps us from fearing failure to the point of quitting or giving up on the dream. It's like this. God gives us desires, and then he desires himself to fulfill the desires that he gives us. Now, that's a big concept. But it takes courage to receive the promise. It takes courage to take the next step. It takes courage to do the right thing. Often, listen to this, the greatest battles come when you're the closest to your destiny. Often the greatest battles come when you're the closest to your destiny. You're almost there, and the enemy knows it, and he's throwing a fit. And so he comes at you in spiritual places with demons and, and, and different things, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. So take courage. You might stumble, but guess what? I say go anyways. I might fail, but I'm going to try it anyways. Jesse McMurray, I talked about him a couple weeks ago in that decisions message that we did online. And that was his motto. I may not succeed, but I'm going anyways. And he has succeeded, and we will succeed. Number one, which is actually number three, but I went in reverse order just to throw you off today. Three, two, one. 
Number one, strength. This is powerful. This is powerful. Strength comes from the Lord, period. Period. Now, we can, we can sort of increase it in some other places, but strength comes from the Lord. Go to Exodus chapter 15, verse 2. The Lord is my strength, and he's my song. And he has become my salvation. Don't, com- don't confuse this with like salvation eternally. Salvation means deliverance, okay? That's what that, Exodus means deliverance too, but salvation is actually, is actually like delivering me from something. That's salvation, delivering from me from sin and death. It says God has become my deliverer. When I get in a pickle relationally, he's my deliverer. A lot of times, here's what I've learned. When something hits me that I think I need to make a decision right now, I've learned to wait. Pause. 24 hours if possible. And see what the Lord might do between now and tomorrow. He just might take care of the problem. Sometimes he does. And sometimes he don't. But by 24 hours later, I usually know what I need to do. Does that make sense to you? He says he's become my salvation. Listen to this. He is my God. I will praise him. He's my father's God and I will exalt him. And so while the world's exalting all kinds of different things, and it's mainly self, I'm going to exalt my heavenly father, Jesus Christ. And I I implore you to do the same. Strength comes from the Lord. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and of good courage. Where have we heard that before? Huh? In Joshua, just a little later on, it says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you, nor will He forsake you. Isn't that good? When you're at your end, you're exhausted. Anybody ever been at their end? exhausted i'm tired of dealing with this person i'm tired of dealing with this situation i'm tired of dealing with my own problems i'm tired of dealing with my own mind you ever been to end isaiah chapter 40 listen to this chapter 40 verse 29 i really don't need to go any further than than to say the first five words or six he gives power to the weak isn't that good he gives power to the weak when you're at your weakest and you rely upon the Lord, He will not let you stumble or fail. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Strength. The Apostle Paul tells the church to watch. Stand fast in faith, be brave, and be strong. It's our choice to be strong. And we find that only in the Lord, okay? That's where our strength comes from. Strength's found only in the Lord. But I want to I throw this at you. Strength is found in the Lord, but it flows through others. Make no mistake, what you're doing today, assembling together, is important. But what you do tomorrow when you start calling and texting each other and you start communing and you start having relationships that do this, what does it say in the Word? Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12 says this, Though one may be overpowered by another, I can go fight this thing on my own if I want to. Okay, Where one can be overpowered by another, two can withstand another, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. The more we can do this with the Lord, the third one in the, in the strand, it says 
A threefold cord is not quickly broken. We're stronger together. So my question, uh, I've got one question right now. Who are you yoking with? I'm being honest. Let's, let's just put the rubber to the road. Who are you yoking with? Do you go all week yoking with the world and then come on Sunday and ask God to clean you up and fix you and think that, you're, that it's going to happen like that? It's not. It's not. And I've experienced that. I've learned that. It has to be who we are. We have to live it. Who do we yoke with? And here's what I mean. This is an extremely important aspect of peace, strength, courage, inheritance. It's who we're walking with. Who are you walking with? Who are you walking this thing out with? That's why it's important when you, when you get to a point where you decide to marry, it's important that you marry right. You know what I mean? God has instructions on it. It's important that you choose friends right. It's, in short, it's important that you choose churches right. There's certain bodies of believers that I don't belong in. And you don't belong in. You belong here. Isn't that wonderful? You have to choose well. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. And you might think that's not a good verse to put on the back of a bulletin for everybody to read. But the Lord told me to put it there, so I put it there. And I know he told me to put it there because he almost spoke audibly. Not really, but, but he, told, he said this is a good one for the back of the bulletin. And I almost didn't put it there, but it's a good one. You ready? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That does not mean be rude, arrogant, think you're better than they are, because we're not. We're actually not better than they are. We've just received something they've yet to receive. Our goal should be to help them receive it, the free gift of salvation. Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. There's a reason for it, because it's not healthy. For what fellowship has righteousness and lawlessness? And what communion has light? With darkness, those two things can't exist together. Either you have light or you don't. They can't exist together. And so don't be unequally yoked one with another. I got two questions for you, okay? Two questions. These are the questions I want you to take home. I want you to ponder on this. This is the second thing when I get to the end that I want you to get today, okay? Joshua chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. But two questions. Number one, where are you going for peace? Where are you going for courage? And where are you going for strength? That's question number one. Where are you going for peace, courage, comfort, and strength? Courage and strength. Where are you going? Who are you going to? Maybe I'll say it that way. And then question number two, this is the biggie. This is where it, it gets real. Are you ready to take the first step? Are you ready to take the first step? It may be just simply moving past a situation you've been dealing with for weeks. I'm ready to move past it. I'm ready to move on. Are you ready to take the first step? God will give you in a still small voice the first step. But you got to take it. You got to take it. You got to step. You got to pick up the bread. In Joshua chapter 3, and then we're going to pray. In Joshua chapter 3, verses 14 through 17, Joshua and the Israelites and the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when the priest got to the, the Jordan, which was in flood stage, the Bible says that when their feet touched the water, 
See, we all look at a Jordan. We look at a situation that I, I just cannot get over this. I can't get past it. It's a roadblock. It's standing between me and the promise. But when we take the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, and we take the first step into the water, the Bible says that the waters of the Jordan, this is awesome, stood still. Remember two weeks ago we said that thing you're fearing ain't worth fearing? And so today you can take the first step. Matter of fact, God has already probably spoken to you about what steps this week you need to take for healing and to inherit the promise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunities you give us each and every day. Thank you for giving us birthdays and celebrating birthdays. And thank you for little children. God, I pray your special touch upon these small children who are here today. I pray for their futures. I pray for their future spouses. I pray for their future children. I pray that as they see birthday after birthday after birthday, that they will see and experience the goodness of God. And God, as we face this thing that stands between us and the promise, our own personal Jordans, God, help us to take that first step of faith. Whether it's, Lord, getting in the gym or whether it's restoring a relationship that, that, may be, uh, that we may have given up on or whether, whether it could be uh, God growing deeper in the word, whatever it is, whatever stands between us and the land of Canaan, help us to step into it. Help us to take the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. And I believe that as we step, as we actively pursue it, as we actively seek peace and victory, I believe, and I believe you want me to tell these people, your people, I believe that we will receive it. That's our prayer and our desire today. If anyone's here that doesn't know you, God, I pray you would draw them close to you. And Lord, help them to admit in their heart that they're sinners accept you as as their savior the one who died on the cross and lord confess with their mouth that you are their lord god if they do that today god i pray that you would have them tell someone that's our prayer and our desire god i thank you again for this group of people your blessings upon them as we venture out into new seasons of life god i pray you continue to lead god and direct us thank you for being and meeting with us here today in jesus name i pray amen